0: what this is what jesus said lest a man be born again he shall not enter into the kingdom lest a man be born again and he also said i am the way the truth and the life and no man or woman comes to me comes to the father unless by me there's no way a personal relationship with jesus christ is what it's all about and if you've never bowed your head and invited Jesus Christ into your life, then you need to do that because that's the only way to heaven. All right, get your Bibles out. Get your phone out or whatever because God's fixing to work because I asked Him, I said, God, I want Your Spirit to work today and I want You to do a mighty thing. I want You to let me be filled with Your Spirit so I can preach and proclaim the Word and so people will respond and I believe God Do you believe God? I never forget a story about a man telling a preacher friend of mine one time, he said, I just didn't get anything out of the message today. And he looked at him, he said, did you come here expecting anything? He said, no, I didn't. Then he said, you got just exactly what you was looking for. But if you come looking and you begin praying and you expect God to work, I know he'll work in somebody's life today. Okay, I've been going through a series this month about questions, how to how to be saved and how people want to know how they're. Today we're going to go to a question that I'm, out, I'm asked many a time. How do I know what God's will is for my life? Any of y'all ever asked that question? How do I know what God's will is for my life? It's a question that goes through a lot because we we'll begin to look and stuff. Well, I'm gonna share with you some things to get started with. Because God does have a plan for you. If He saved you, He has a plan for you. If He saved you, He not only has a plan for you, He's going to carry that plan out. But He's gonna ask you to respond to that. And so many times we try to get ahead of God, we wanna we wanna to get to the end before we start at the beginning. We want God to come down there and tap us on the shoulder and say, Hey, Dwayne, I need you to do this. Well, he's already laid out some things within Scripture of what you need to do first. And when you get this right, then you begin to hear his voice. Go with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. John 14, beginning in verse 18. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Boy, too many of you didn't bring your Bibles. You're getting dependent on this, and Michael's back there struggling, because I didn't give him the word. I didn't give him the scripture. But listen to what Jesus told his disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see you um will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, and you will live also. Right there, what's he saying? If you're born again, you will see Jesus. You will see him throughout your life. You will see him through his word, but you will hear his voice. Right there. Let's go on. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, what? He who has... My commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. All right, we need to stop right there just for a moment. God must have some commandments for us to follow, right? What commandments is he talking about? We're going to find out in just a little bit. He's got some plans that we need to begin with in our life. And too many times, this this is why I want to focus on folks. Too many times I I see these people say, well, I'm a Christian. I got saved. And they continue to go and do just exactly what they did before they got saved. And they continue on in something that the Scripture is clear and plain is not right for their life. Now, when God saves a person, he will work in cleansing them. But there is a beginning process we talked about a couple weeks ago about repentance. Folks, the day I got saved, God began a a washing aspect that day. He began to wash away some things. He began to reach into my heart and tell you, Dwayne, there's some things you need to take care of. There's some outward things that people are watching you every day you need to take care of. And you begin to to do these things. And so there was a, a transition they need to be made in my life. And that's when I began to line up with God and put Dwayne aside. Because I had to die to self and begin to live for him. So God has some commandments for you to give you some direction in your life. And until you line up with those commandments, you're never going to hear this voice that you want to hear. You can't hear a voice when you won't respond to the written word. You've got to respond because it's real clear. He said, if you love me, he who loves me is going to hear these commandments. So if you say you love him, but you don't follow him, you're not going to ever hear his voice. Um, and he said, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will what? Keep or obey my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode, or will dwell with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So you see, what he's saying, folks, is that your lifestyle, your obedience or disobedience to his word tells everybody and tells him where your heart is. And first of all, God can see in the depths of your heart. He knows. But how is the world supposed to perceive you and know you by what they see? You see, I can't look into your heart, thank God. But I can look into people's lives and, and either I see them growing and moving forward or I see them going backwards. And so I I've learned through 40 years of ministry not to take somebody's word for what they tell me, but to watch them and see what they're doing. You know, any of you ever watch that movie Second Hand Line? Oh, Robert Robert Duvall, I love him. They decided they were going to go and plant a garden, didn't they? They're not, they're, they're, they weren't very smart because even any farmer can look at seed and tell the difference. But they bought all these seeds from some uh, some drummer that came by and sold them every kind of seed they needed. But when they planted it, the whole garden came up corn. They couldn't believe what they read or saw, but they had all this corn. Well, folks, you can claim to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, but uh, you'll be recognized by the fruit that comes out of you. Because when he talks about keeping his commandments, if you're not willing to go back to the bare basics, why in the world do you ever think you're going to hear a voice from him? There were certain rules in my household when I grew up that I knew I had to do. They might not have been quoted out of Exodus 20, but they were there. My daddy taught me, well, you will respect your mama. And he knew I'd better respect him. That was just a given. He didn't have to remind me of that. I was going to respect him. And he also kind of put some of those other things in. I better not ever catch you stealing, boy. Your last name is Higgins, and that reflects on me. What you do reflects on, on my death. I was too young to know what adultery was, but So he didn't go in there. But there were certain things that he said. When you borrow something from your neighbor, you take it back. You don't want it and go after it. That's his. And when my daddy, if he ever borrowed something, went back better than it came to him. I promise you. He was going to fix something on it before he ever carried it back. Where did that come from? We're going to find out in just a little bit. But what I want you to begin to understand is if you're going to walk with Christ and you're going to claim Christ as your Savior and you want to hear from Him and have Him tap you on the shoulder, then you need to get back to doing some bare basics. And uh, and, and folks, there's a lot of lying and deception going on in the world today. A thief is not going to enter into the kingdom. A forgiven thief can enter into the kingdom. A murderer will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. But a forgiven murderer can enter into the kingdom. An adulterer will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. But a forgiven adulterer can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, what's the difference? The repentance. The forgiveness. Because repentance comes from forgiveness. And it means you stop doing what you did. Any of you watched any news about this lawyer out there that He's lied about everything he's ever said, but I need you to believe this part. Now, I don't know about you folks, but once somebody's lied to me a few times, I'm pretty well going to say you lied about everything. But yet, here he is on trial, and he expects 12 individuals to change your mind when he openly admits, I've stolen millions from my clients who deserved it, I've been on drugs for 20 years. I've lied to the police when they talk to me. I've lied to them after they talk to me. But in this little period of time, you need to believe me. I hope there's 12 individuals that are sane enough to realize if he's lying before and he's lying after, he's probably lying in the middle. Because his fruits reflect what he's doing. And I'm not away with people in the churches. Our churches, if they're truly going to see a revival, it means that people need to start getting right with God and keep His commandments. You don't believe that Jesus said there? Well, if you are going over to 1 John, John wrote this again. He said, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, it's our faith. But he's real clear there. The love of God is that we keep His commandments. Folks, if you want to hear from God, you got to start believing this Word. you got to believe this Word right here. And not only believe it, begin to apply it to your life. And this is where people drop the ball, folks. They want to believe the good things about it. They want to believe that when they die, they're going to be with, with God in heaven. They want to believe God's a loving God, but they don't want to believe God's a God of judgment either. I want to believe in heaven, but I don't want to believe in hell. Well, folks, there's no need for a heaven if there's not a hell. You can't have one without the other. See, the truth of the word is there is a hell, and if there's a hell, that means people are doomed to go there. And it's not the better place that people think it's going to be when they die. You don't know how hard it is as a preacher to be invited by a family that you know and love and care about who's grieving and they want you to come preach a funeral for a loved one that you know by the fruits of their life they're probably not in heaven. It's hard because I made a promise to myself a long time ago never to build up false hope. But also, care about those who are living and I'm not going to give them this idea where old Joe is I just try to dodge that point but I tell them what the truth is that anybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ can be born again and are born again if they put their faith and there's no way to heaven but by that and I also tell them If you're grieving, if you'll reach out to God, he will comfort you. Because that's all I can do for him. But then when one of them, oh, dear saints die, I get to get up there and tell them, I know where this individual's at. Why? Because I've seen the fruit. I saw the lifestyle. I saw the change. I saw the testimony. And I'm able to rejoice. Because there will be some that I question that may make it into heaven. I can't see their heart but I also have some doubt in my mind because of what I did say. so I just can't say on some things because I've known some folks that had more faith than some church members because a lot of some of the ones I have doubts about were church members that's just be truth folks I watched them I can remember preaching to a group of people one day and and I was in a church, and this one woman was like this. And she had, I can't even frown as big as she could frown. You couldn't paint one on her face big enough as what she could do. Frown, and every time I'd get to her, she'd just try to get into my life. Boy, I'll show you. So here's what I started doing. I started going across like and then i would go like this. I got tired of looking at it. It's like, I dare you to move me. Well, I ain't going to try to move you. I'm just going to go over you. What are you doing here if you're so mean and angry and bitter? Why are you here trying to listen to me when you don't want to hear from me? Who are you fooling? Folks, I've watched people in every church I've ever been at. They're sitting there wishing they were somewhere else. Well, don't waste my time and take up one of my chairs because somebody might need that that wants to hear. Because you're, you're, just, you're playing a game that's a dangerous game and you're pretending to be something you're not. Because everybody in heaven is this. Everybody but Jesus is this. A lost sinner saved by grace. Everybody up there is going to be a sinner that was saved by the grace of God because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. So there's nobody holier than thou. There's nobody better than thou. There's nobody I told you I was going to get to preaching. Because it bothers me when I look at people and they begin to to make judgments and, and just say, well, I, God ain't gonna get a hold of me. Well, just go somewhere else. Don't take up the time. Don't hide in the church and think you're gonna be all right. Because Melinda just told you. You'll stand before the can you look at the book one more time? Here on earth there's some human errors. In heaven there's no errors. Your name is either in that book or it's not. And I promise you, Peter looked to it two or three times just to satisfy you. But Jesus said, depart from me, who workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Because you didn't keep my commandments. You didn't do the basic. You wanted to hear from me, and I spoke to you, but you didn't want to hear. Because he speaks in many ways. First of all, he speaks through this word right here. He speaks through preachers. He speaks through testimonies. He he speaks through all kinds of different people. He speaks to you in prayer. But folks, I'm here to tell you, if you won't listen to the written word, you won't listen to the spoken word. You just won't. You won't listen or pay attention. You ever watch a little three or four year old kid it's really gonna kind of get in that rebellious state. Mom and daddy looked over at me, don't do that. Don't touch that. I used to tell them, go ahead. After two or three times, go ahead. I no way you're gonna learn anyhow. But they don't want to hear the spoken word when they already knew it. Folks, there's there's many of uh, Person in life today that's deceived themselves. They want to hear from God. They want to. They want to go to a place where they feel God's presence, but they won't let Him into their life. Right, at the beginning. Go with me to Exodus chapter twenty. We're going to look at these ten commandments because this is the bare basic. This is the beginning of where we need to start out. I need I, uh, chapter twenty, Exodus twenty. I need a paper towel. I done sweat it up and got my thing all messed up. Or Kleenex or something. Thank you, Billy. I got a got a big old smudge spot right there in the middle of that. What's the first one say? Huh? Is it supposed to have any other gods in your life? He did not. Uh, y'all not got there yet. I'm talking about my bookkeeper back there in the back. I ain't got to yet. Let me read it right here on my Bible. You shall have no other gods before me. What's he saying? He's a jealous God. What's other gods? It don't have to be a statue. It don't have to be some mythological God. A God can be a chair. It can be an activity. Anything that you put in place of God himself has become your God. It can be you you can be some so holy and righteous and think you're so good that the emperors uh if you go back to to the romans as soon as they became an emperor they declared themselves a god well they just broke this first commandment my friends if if anything greater in your life you shall have no elf that's your god and he said right there this is the beginning you shall have no other gods before me This is probably the number one commandment that most church-going people will break because their religion, their church, their activities has become number one in their life. But God's not. You see, God's personal. He's real. He's alive. And he wants you to come to that relationship. Well, I was thinking about this. I shared with him yesterday about this, John. This was pretty exciting to me. Jesus loved to sit down and just fellowship and eat a meal with people. They didn't have to be his disciples. Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. Let's go have a meal. Matthew, we're going to your house. Call some tax collectors. We're going to go. I was thinking about when I'm sitting there in heaven in my little old cabin along that little creek below that mountain in that little beautiful valley there's going to be a table right there, and my Jesus is going to come eat with me. And I'm going to sit there and talk with him face to face because my Jesus loves to talk. He loves to love on me and talk to me and and laugh and, and have a good time, and that's who he is. He loved his time with his people. In Revelation 3.20, if you jumped over there, he'll say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone answers that door and lets me in, I'll come in and sup with him. What's he doing? He's going to come in and eat with you. That's a very personal thing to come in. And I thought, well, when I'm in heaven. There's going to be that chair right there reserved for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Nobody else is going to sit in that because he will stroll by one day and just visit with me. We'll have a big time," he said. "Dwayne, I've had a little time. Good. To see, you. I got to step on down the road. Got to go see old Jezebel over there. She's talking to her sister right now. I'm talking about you. I was going to there anyway, but then you just played into it. But he gonna go right on down the road. Be visiting with you. It may be, be your place, your dwelling place. He's going to come by there. Want know how you're doing. He's going to check on you. He may go down there and check on old Butch. He said, Butch, how do you like that horse I give you? See you were getting around pretty good. Some of them old saints there, old Austin Womack, buddy of mine, he said, been catching any of them fish, Austin? Yeah, yeah. But folks, the first thing you gotta learn to do is not have any other gods. God has got to be number one. He can't be behind your children. He can't be behind you. He can't be behind your job. He can't be behind anything. He's got to be in front of it. You've got to put him number one in your life before you'll ever hear from him with your voice, with the, your ears. Number one. He said, Man, I just that's hard to do some things he will change some things you can just take that may out because i'm telling you he'll change some things but he makes it better so the first thing you got to do is get him number one if you ever want to hear his voice you people say well i want to know what god's will is god's will is to make him number one in your life very first thing you got to do all right he goes on he shall you shall not worship them or serve them for i will the lord is god i said you better not take his name in vain. See that? What does it mean to take his name in vain? Verse 7. You should not take it. It ain't always used that GD word. You take his name when you blaspheme and you say, God doesn't exist. You just blaspheme God. I don't think God is real. You just blaspheme God. Anytime you try to take him off the throne that he's on, you blaspheme God. Any time you say, it, "When God's working, you say He's not." See, the Pharisees love to say, "Jesus, you're you're blaspheming." They try to stop something God's doing, so they blame you on blasphemy. You're taking your name in vain because you're saying God, you're not the God. I'm going to go as far as this say, if you say, if you ever in your life, God calls you to do something, you say, you can't do that, God. You just took his name in vain. Because you tell me this. Some, I want anybody willing to stand up today and you tell me one thing God can't do. One thing that God can't do in your life. Huh? He can't look at sin as, as you write on there. Not that he can't, he chooses not to, he won't. Well he never lied. Okay, y'all y'all digging in some places, but what is it that he can't do? He can do anything he so desires. So let's get back where I'm going. Y'all 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 doing well, but there's nothing in your life that he can't take care of. There's nothing in your life that he can't carry you through. He said I come to make my abode with you. He's gonna be with you, folks. He wants to be right there in the middle of you. So does he not want revival in your life? Does he not want a spiritual movement throughout this nation? I'm telling you, we're not waiting on him to move. He's waiting on us. Boy, I got excited a while ago. Geraldine got you all up. Josh, thank you. I don't know what it was, but you can get them up, just playing that. Because they're hard to get up sometimes, brother. I have to wake them up every now and then myself. I pick on them like when they're doing stuff. But folks, God's waiting on us to catch fire, to make a difference in the world. Because you say, God, I put you number one in my life. And I believe whatever happens in my life, you can control and take care of. I'm bad about listening to some of these things. I was listening to one last night about what China's trying to do and what they could do and all that. And I listened to it with intensity, but I'm not going to worry about it. Because you know why? They can do all that they want, but my God's still in charge of my life. Okay? So I'm not going to worry about it. my focus, my job, is to preach his word, teach his word, and tell people about him. He, when he gets ready for me to go, he'll take me out. When he's ready to stay, he's able to keep me right here and take care of me while I'm here. We may be eating some of Robert's coon in those times, but, but we are, we're going to do it. Maybe may be a good day when everybody wants a little beef But then he goes on, he said, remember the Sabbath. Now, he's telling you what his will is. He's got to be God and him alone. He don't want you to take his name in vain, but he wants you to remember the Sabbath day. Now, we can be legalistic. The Sabbath day started on Friday night at sundown and goes to Saturday night, sundown. Well, why in the world are we meeting on Sunday? Because on the first day of week when Jesus came out of the grave. So Christians began to decide, okay, the Sabbath's there. But we want to worship on the day that he came out of the grave because that's when we got the victory. So that's why we do it. If you want to meet on Saturday, there's nothing wrong with that. The Sabbath was a day of rest, a day that's set aside for you to give time to God and time for your body to heal. You see, I've been working seven days a week since January 1st. I've been at this church sometimes, wasn't well, all day, every day, but seven days a week, cause I've been up here doing something because we're trying to build, we're trying to do, and are going stuff. My wife has got me reservations for next week to go camping, and I'm going to make up for it because I'm going to relax because when I woke up yesterday, she said, no, he won't. <laughs> she had have to hide the keys to the truck, but I'm going to try I can't help it. I'm serving a holy and righteous God, and I just, I love it. But I'm learning I'm going to have to slow down a little bit and have some time off. And that's what you need. You need a little time off. You need to come worship. You need to relax a little bit, enjoy. I told an old professor of mine one time, I said, he was talking about having some fellowship time. I said, boy, put me on a backhoe just digging a hole. I said, when I'm sitting in that seat and I throw this leg back behind me, brain's out of gear. I'm just digging in a dumping. He said, whatever turns you on. I said, well, I can do it. Because I've run one so much, it just is nothing to it. And I don't want to dig around something technical, but just put me up there. I, I could just relax and get out there. It lets this brain slow down a little bit. And you've got to find a place where you can do it. For some people, It's working in the flower garden or something. But just let yourself relax. My wife loves to get her coffee and get on that porch swing that we've had for 40 years. And she's still swinging. Just sit on that front porch. Got up this morning, walked out the door, went out there and stayed for just a little bit. It's too cold for her. But that's her place. She likes to be there. You need that place. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keep it like in. It's not to be like any other day. So find you a place where you can relax and enjoy. And in that time, you worship God. And you follow him. He's telling you what's, what's his will for your life. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You or your son or your daughter or your male, set those days aside. In verse 12, honor your father and your mother. Now, this is a hard one for some people. I was blessed to have a good mama, good daddy. But this this commandment does not come with exceptions. It didn't come and say, well, just because you had a bad one, you don't have to honor them. You may not always have to do those bad mom and daddies what they want you to do. You're still supposed to respect them. Love them. They're the ones that gave birth to you. And if you survived to be 7, eight, ten years old, somebody fed you along the way. But you still need to honor them to show some respect to them. And I know it's difficult because there's a lot of kids being raised up in very terrible conditions. But God's going to respect you if you show respect back to them. And you may make a difference in their life. Because you've got to remember this about a mom and a dad. They learn their parenting skills most of the time from their parents, who learned it from their parents. So a lot of times they're mimicking what they had in their life. They're mimicking what they had in their life. And they may not know any better. Not always, but sometimes. But God says, I want you to honor your father and your mother. And give them that respect. So he's telling you what he wants for you. He's answering this question. God, what's your will for my life? And He goes on. You should not commit a mur- murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie verse 16 bear false witness and you shall not cover it at your neighbor's house or anything he's got this is the thing that bothers me most the first four dealt with your relationship between you and God if you'll get those right you'll usually not have a lot of trouble with these last one the last six deal with your relationship between you and man if, if the first four are out of Kelter, you can bet you'll mess up on the next six. So he's telling you, get these first four right, and then you'll be able to deal with these rest of them. Sadly, throughout the Christian life, And I'm talking about from preachers to professors all the way down. You can look and you can find places where somebody's let you down. You've all heard a story about the preacher running off with a piano player. Or the church secretary. Or the youth murdering and this or that. They're they're out there. Because their relationship with with the first four commandments were not right. They've messed up. TV evangelists have messed up. But don't you give up on you. Because you're not accountable for them. They are. All you've got to do is work in your relationship. I'm responsible for me. What I do. And just because else messed up does not give me an excuse to do the same thing. But folks, don't sit there and commit adultery or steal and tell me you and God's got it all worked out. I love that song. But you and God's got it worked out when you're following Him. And doing changes of things in your life. And that's what revival's all about. God brings you in as a sick person. I was sin sick when I got saved. And he began to work in my life. He didn't take them all away. He took some time. It took years to work on it. But he was working. And I was letting him work. But there were some things I began to get rid of right quick. I can tell you this. The last time I ever drank a beer was in in uh, October 1982. Been saved two weeks. A friend of mine offered me a beer. And I went to drinking on that. And I thought, Dwayne, that's the very thing you always criticize. About somebody doing it, claiming to be a Christian. I said, You don't need to do it. So, halfway through it, I poured it out and threw the bottle back in there. I said, Don't need any more. Because it's not for me. Because the very guy I was sitting there drinking that beer with, I wanted him to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. So, I had to make a choice. And I began to do it. And I've not had one since. Don't want one. Matter of fact, if you smell it, I don't terrible and i'm not saying you're wrong for it i'm just telling you what's wrong was right for me i had to get rid of that i had to learn to control this old mouth and i'm still working on that sometimes dog ticks and all i'd heard and said about most in I i didn't use that gd word there was a few other words i wasn't very good but there's some of them i was pretty good at and um god said you need to clean that mouth up if you're gonna if you're gonna reach out to some of these people you want to clean that mouth up you Want to quit telling them old dirty jokes and doing all that you need to watch what you say you need to be a little careful about being critical to somebody be a little more positive and for five years He worked in my life before he let me out of that coal mine. Now, I'm going to tell you something else I did. I've never told a soul, and I'm not proud of this at all. I've never stole a thing in my life till I went to work at the coal mine, and they were throwing stuff away left and right. So I began to take a few things that wasn't mine. And for five years after I got saved, I gave them time back every week to pay back what I'd stole. Didn't have a dollar amount. I figured I'd just give them some time back because I had taken some things that weren't mine. They were going to throw it away, but they didn't excuse that I took it without it being mine. So for five years, I gave that company over time and time and time again so that when it was all said and done, I could stand before my God and I said, yeah, I did wrong, but I'm saved. And I returned back to the company what I took. Been gone from there for, since 1987. I never told that to anybody. But that's what God told me I needed to do. I walked out of the Dollar General store the other day with a $2.25 tube of toothpaste stuck in my, my hoodie. Hands were full. And I got back here and I got all this and I was trying to do something. like, what is that? I was cooking for the kids on Friday. I pulled it out and I man, I didn't pay for that. I was afraid the law was going to arrest me before I could get the meal cooked. So I got them cooked, fed the kids, and I go right up there, and I walk in there, and I said, I didn't pay for this a while ago. She looked at me like, do what? You show back up there? She rang it up, $2.29. I said, yes, ma'am. I'm not here to steal $2 or $200. I carried it back, and it ate on me for 45 minutes as I'm cooking. But I had to get that before I could get back up there. You see, God cleansed me of some stuff. It's what he wants to do to you. But the question is, are you willing to do it? Because I promise you, every one of you sitting in here today, you're still dealing with something in your life that you're holding on to and you're hoping God's just not aware of it. You want to hear from God? You want to know what his will is? Get your life right with Him. Get your life right with Him today. You make sure you're right with Him. Then begin to get rid of this other stuff so that you're right with the people around you. Because until you're right with God, you'll never be right with people around you. And when you're right with Him, then you better start working on getting right with everybody else and repaying and redoing and getting some stuff out of your life. Because God's fixing to do a mighty work right here. You either get on the wagon right now, or you'll be running along behind it, trying to catch up. You understand that? The wagon of revival is heading out. I'm going to use an old firefighter term. You don't chase a head fire. You have to get in front of it to stop it. If you're chasing it, you're not going to stop it. It'll outrun you every time. You get in front of it to stop it. And then you worry about what's behind it. If our revival gets started, you'll never get ahead of it. You'll find yourself running to try to keep up with it. And you'll never, never get the full blessing. So you got to get in front of it. So that that you're going with it. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Take your hat. I've already told them we're going to do an invitation. The band's not going to have to come up. We're going to do some of that can music. Because I want everybody to begin to do and deal with God. I want you to get your right, li- your your life right with Him, if you need to get saved, you need to get saved. You need to bow your knees, invite Him to come into your life. If you got some things you need to deal with, you need to you need to confess it. If you've stolen, you need to start repaying. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. If you've been committing adultery. You need to repent and turn away from that you're dishonoring your mom and father, you need to get that right. If you're not honoring God, you need to get that right. Bow your head as they begin to play. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give you a couple of stanzas to respond if you need to come up here and pray with me or John's here or Casey's over there. Jimmy's back here in the back. let's just pray and then let them play. Father, we are sinners, every one of us. The question is today, what have we done with that sin? Have we laid it there at the foot of the cross? Have we received Jesus as our Savior? If we have, then we know we're forgiven. But Father, even in the midst of that, we know Sometimes we hold on to some of this stuff. And we cry out and we want to hear from you. But then when you tell us these things like this message, we don't respond. We keep on to hear something else. We want to hear what we want to hear, not what you want to say. Father, put us in a place where we hear the truth and then respond to that truth. You know the hearts of everybody here. You know the, every one of us are dealing with something. and We need to make a decision on what we're going to do with it. We've asked you to come. We've asked you to be a part. We've asked your spirit to rest upon this place. And now that you are, it's up to us to respond to that. So Father, we give you this time. And whether they just need to come pray up here or pray at their seat or Come confess, may they do whatever needs to be done now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as they play, you decide what you need to do. Nobody moves, we'll get out. But if you need to come pray, the altar's open. If you need to sit and just think about that, then do it. If you need to come talk to me, then I'm here. But I surrender all. that's what it's all about.
1: Love and trust him in his presence.
0: kill the band I ask you to sing that last one because I wanted you to speak that not to sing the song but to speak that to your heavenly father surrender all to him so that when you do that he will take your life and do some great things with it it's beginning just getting started, getting a little better every week. We had several decisions today, mainly. Well, I say mainly. they all great decisions. Nate, come up here. We're going to baptize some folks in Easter, but Nathan here has been real active in our youth department. His sister got saved here a while back, and he wants a dose of that too. So these are your brothers and sisters. And I'm proud of him because God's working. He's responding. I've seen him grow so much in the past several months. And uh, I'm just proud. Mama's been bringing him and been faithful about that. And I, Mike and Tanya have been working with him. And the, our youth have been working with him. He's been a part of it. And and I'm joyful that all he's doing. So We're proud of you. I got a sheet I want you to fill out in just a little bit. But uh, folks come every week expecting God to do something, and I promise you will. Appreciate all my band members who are singing and stuff, and it's just getting better and better every day. And maybe when we get to heaven, I can sing for you one day. But it'll be up there then. Father, we love you. We thank you for doing what you do. Take everybody here. May we reach out to this community and glorify you this week as we go here and wherever you take us. Bring us back next week. Help our sick that's sitting here with the various things. Charles and Diane, we'd love to have them back. Randall and Sarah fighting this stuff. And so many others that have uh, kitten and Mark are sick. And uh, so many, Father, we lift them up and look forward to when they can all be back. We give you the praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.